Hello and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debbin, and I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. Do I seem appropriately relaxed? You, I mean, feet up. Feet up, holding the microphone, microphone in hand. Yeah. Got my cigar in my hand. I think I'm really ready just to take it easy and enjoy myself. Well, you were in there working pretty hard the last little bit. Oh, yeah. Meetings, all that good stuff. and Just a bu- just business getting in the way of my cigar smoking. Hey, I know it. But, hey, when you can compose, combine your business and your cigar smoking. That's the best. Yeah, it hardly gets any better than that. You know, I made, I made a, a job change two years ago that allowed me for the first time to be able to work and smoke a cigar at the same time and i'll never go back oh yeah it's just it's nice and now generally when i'm drawing plans i don't smoke because i don't smoke in my office and i'll but occasionally i have something that i just need to work out and i'll just come set up my laptop and sit and smoke a cigar and work on something. it is hard to beat it is so let's talk about our cigars let's get a cigar lit we got all kinds of stuff to talk about all right Smoking something that is very unique for me. We're going to talk about flavored cigars here in a little mm-hmm. bit. And I'm actually smoking a flavored cigar. But I believe these get a buy. Okay. So Why I'm, is that? I'm going to smoke the new Deadwood Leather Rose from Drew Estate. So quick primer on Deadwood Tobacco. It's Deadwood, South, South Dakota, where the, um, Stur- where the biker rally is right. held. Is that Sturgis? Yeah. Yeah, Sturgis. And all the cigars are named after famous people there. There's always been the Crazy Alice, the Fat Bottom Betty, and the Sweet Jane. And they released a new one this year, the Leather Rose. And I was actually surprised. This ain't much of a flavored cigar shop. I was surprised when I walked in the humidor and seen it there. And I actually got the first one out of the box. Now, is that flavored or is it just sweet? It's very lightly flavored. Okay. This is the cigar. The Deadwoods are the cigar that the people that would never touch a flavored cigar will smoke and all. So they all have a very unique place, and I enjoy them. I wouldn't want it as a daily smoke, but I enjoy an occasional one. You know, it's a Nicaraguan binder and filler. The wrapper is Maduro. It's Nicaraguan also. I'm interested to see if this cigar is... So the other three are all the same blend. They're just a different size. Okay. This one is a Bellicoso. It's 5x54 Torpedo. And I'm interested to see if they did something different here or if they just held the course and just made another size and picked another famous biker chick and named it. It'll be interesting. Did they not release anything about the blend, I mean, from one stick to the next? No. No. Okay. Everything's all kind of Nicaragua. Okay. Best, best of luck to you. Yeah. And also, I'm going to try that. What are you smoking tonight? I am smoking a cigar that I had the other day and really liked it. It's one that I, I kind of sleep on from time to time. It's the La Aurora 107 Maduro, also known as the 107 USA. You know, he doesn't carry the Toro in this cigar in this shop, and so I don't always smoke it. But I was up here Saturday um, night. We had been running around some errands, and we decided to stop in here before heading home. And I wanted something with a little bit... Uh, I wanted something that brought a lot of flavor to the party and something that was actually going to last. And so I breached for the the Gran is the size on this one. And it's a uh, 7x58, which is about the biggest cigar I think you may have ever seen me smoke. Well, no, you have seen me smoke a 6x60, but it's usually not by choice. This cigar has so much flavor. 
Uh, it's definitely in the full-bodied range. It's got binder from the Dominican Republic and filler from Dominican, Nicaragua, and Peru. And it's got a USA-grown broadleaf Maduro wrapper. I'm going to get the Kennedy Grant, Kennedy Foundation to give me a grant to study the equivalency of microphones and lighters running out of butane. Oh, you think that it's... <laughs> the, I think microphones suck butane out of lighters because it never fails. I'll sit down to light my cigar. My lighter will run perfect. And then as soon as the microphone gets hot, my lighter dies. And I end up having to <laughs> bum your lighter. And usually it runs out of fu- out of you fluid. You didn't run my lighter out of fuel just then, did you? It's entirely possible. It ain't my fault. It's the microphone's fault. Fair enough. <laughs> it's just the way it seems to work. Um, oh, boy, on the front end, boy, the draw on this cigar is so good. The draw is just like I like it, nice and light, not a lot of um, resistance to it. Of course, it's a bellicoso, which is a little easier to get that out of. Very tasty, very sweet. This seems even a little bit um, more complex than the other blends. Okay. So I'm, but that's just my first how much, puff. How much of that is you wanting it to be that way? Probably 55, 60%. How many yeah. lighter again? I got to touch up and I'll talk about, talk about something interesting. Um, so speaking of draw, this 107 is drawing perfect from the very beginning as well. That is one of the things that I really do. I have never, there are very few, there are very few manufacturers that I can say I've never had a draw issue with. Now, La Roar is not one of them, but I can say in the 107 line, it does fit that. I can't say that I've ever had a 107 that didn't draw just absolutely perfect for me. I know why you don't run out of fluid. You keep your lighter turned down enough that it's just barely a flame. Well, yeah, I'm not soldering with it. <laughs> I like to turn mine up enough that I can get flame over the whole yeah, front mine of the cigar. La- mine lasts two weeks. How's, how long does yours last between <laughs> fill-ups? I've, I've never taken notice. I'll have to. So what's the? I'll have to look at the date today and decide what the next time I fill it up. That's right. You're gonna have to be like me with hearing aid batteries. After so many days, you never leave the house without a couple of spares. You're gonna. Oh. It's Thursday. I got to strap on my butane holster. Yeah. Well, generally I carry two lighters and I have another lighter. It just happened to be over there. I'd have to make a lot of racket to get to it. So I just improvised and borrowed your lighter and tried not to infect it too severely. It works. So first story is an interesting story, I think. I'm I'm dubious on this. Okay. A QR code for every cigar. Olivia Cigars has premiered a new concept in the cigar world, a unique QR code for every cigar. On the face of it, I like this idea. I like the idea, you know, recently, within the last five years or so, manufacturers have started putting their own barcodes on their cigars. You know, it used to be every time a cigar came into the shop, you had to label it, sticker it, barcode it if you used a barcode system. It was a bit of a hassle. And so it's been really nice from a retailer's perspective to have all these, all you do is scan it in. It's already, it's already barcoded and you go right on the shelves. You don't have to pay somebody to sit there and put stickers on all the cigars. But at the same time, when was the last time you used the QR reader on your phone? Oh, I I never, rarely, if ever. I'm more likely to use the barcode and scan it and see like items on Amazon or something than I am to actually use a QR code. But, so what the QR code does is you scan your cigar, and it'll pinpoint the factory where the cigar was rolled, what tobacco was used for it, who the Bonchero was, and who the Rolero was. The Bonchero handles the first step before the cigar gets rolled, 
and the Rolero makes sure that the binder is rolled around the cigar. Mm. And they even have links to videos there of watching actually the cigars being constructive. It's kind of a it's it's neat from the factor that it's an immersive experience. Yeah. But I'm not sure I want to get that deep with my cigar. I'm not. I'm, See, that surprises me with you. Uh, I would have expected that this would have been right up your alley. I'm kind of good just knowing the binder, the filler, country of origin. I kind of, you know, anything you can you can pursue any good ideal to the point. Wow, when the sun hits you like that, you need to trim your eyebrows. <laughs> I I do actually, but they're also I I have the benefit of them being blonde, so you don't notice most of the time. We're we're sitting outside, and I'm sitting in the shade, and trade set trade setting in the sun. Yeah, we're recording earlier in the day than we usually do. Normally, this corner is pretty safe, no matter where I sit, to not be in direct sunlight. But man, it is coming over the top of the building, just beating on me. And have I'm, you ever had your eyebrows waxed? No. See, I get, I get mine done a couple of times a year, and it's well worth it. See, when I get a haircut, she trims them, but I've never had them waxed. It's, it's not the same. Um, oh, if you I know. Can, if you can stand the pain, it's worth it. But now there is a, a certain amount of pain involved. I but just don't have the unruliness that requires it. You should be sitting where I am right now. You're talking about length, not overgrownness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's like talking to a sheepdog. I'm waiting for you to put your hand under your eyes and lift it up like they did in the Bugs Bunny cartoons. <laughs> Which way did he go? Which way did he go? <laughs> so, but yeah, pretty interesting ideal by Oliva. I like cigars embracing the more modern technology. I do too. You know, it's... Especially in an industry where they still do almost everything by hand, if not everything by hand. Uh, it's, it's always, that's part of what I like about the cigar industry is that it is such a throwback to the old world in so many cases. But at the same time, there can be a benefit to embracing technology. And I think giving, especially in, in a year like 2020 where the factory tours have all stopped, the cigar safari was canceled, the other one, uh, that Drew Estate does. Right. The uh, big smoke were canceled. Yeah. The TPC has been delayed. So many of the events around cigars have been delayed or canceled altogether. Yeah. So this gives people an opportunity. You know, I myself have never been on a factory tour in, in the islands, in Central America. I've been to the Barn Smoker, but that's not, that's not the same. They're not rolling on site. You're not getting a... A, a truly immersive experience into the process behind what it takes to make cigars. And, and so I think this is a great way to maybe fill that void for some people. This Desert Rose is really nice. It's it's the what I needed. It's kind of mellow. I had my meeting and I smoked the DNA. So I knew coming off of that I was going to need something with a little bolder flavor profile. Yeah. It's kind of hard to go from a, a big flavor profile down to a Connecticut it is. So I needed something with a little bolder flavor profile. And this is, I gotta say, this is hitting the spot. Excellent. Leather Rose really hitting the spot. So let's talk about a little political news. California Assembly unanimously approves flavored tobacco ban with premium cigar exemption. There is a lot going on in this article. There is. There's a, there's a lot of stuff in here that doesn't make sense. There's a lot of stuff in here that kind of makes sense. And so the the argument is always going to be that flavored products make nicotine palatable to children. Right. And this is an example of California throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You think so? Oh, yeah. Because, okay, they're trying to get e-cigarettes not to be flavored. Right. So that kids will quit picking them up and buying them. That's just the facts of what they're trying to do. Um, 
but they decided, okay, while we're doing e-cigarettes, let's do cigars, let's do cigarettes, let's do everything except for flavored marijuana. Well, I was wondering if that's where you were going with this, because I was, I was going to hold that little piece of, of information in my pocket for a little bit. But yeah, because tobacco has been around for, well, I mean, marijuana has been just around just as long as tobacco, but tobacco has been legal and it's been a part of culture for hundreds of years, whereas marijuana has very recently become legal and only in certain states. It has created this really weird dichotomy where tobacco is the boogeyman and marijuana is this wonder drug. Well, no, you can't call it a drug. It's, it's medicine. It's good for you. It's no, I have talked to a number of physicians who all share the same point of view, which is that nicotine is not the issue. Tobacco is not the issue. The reason that smoking is an issue is because of the irritant of the smoke in and of itself. So if you're smoking marijuana, it doesn't matter that it's not tobacco. It's still going to give you cancer. The difference is we haven't been able to study it because of the unique way the FDA, I think it's the FDA in this case, let's just, uh, why not attack them? They deserve it, I'm sure. Basically says you can't test illegal drugs. So, you know, while all these people were screaming about how marijuana should be legal because it will, you know, cure baldness and, you know, increase your credit score and do all these other things that it actually doesn't do. They were never able to substantiate any of those claims because it was, and I think on the federal level, they still can't do any, any testing on it because it's an illegal substance. So it allows this to perpetuate and allows tobacco to continue to be the boogeyman, even though, yeah, flavored marijuana is okay. Mark my words. I'm on record formally saying all the CBD stuff, all the marijuana stuff, all this is leading to nowhere good in our society. This, I wouldn't go that far. I've, I will. I will make the statement. This is leading to nowhere good in our society because as long as you're teaching people that drugs are the answer, then you're going to have drug addicts. Well, yes and no. I mean, you're going to have drug addicts regardless. But the difference is, you, you know, and I, I see it, there is a much closer correlation between alcohol and marijuana than there is tobacco and marijuana. The only, the only similarity tobacco and marijuana has is the method in which it's consumed. But unlike marijuana, tobacco doesn't change your brain chemistry. You right. Know, it doesn't make you high. It doesn't make you drunk. It doesn't alter your cognitive function. It doesn't change your inhibition levels. It doesn't do anything like that. So, and if you look at, you know, every other advertisement on TV is an alcohol ad advertisement. So, it, it, you know, to, to say that, that the advent of legalized marijuana is going to be a downfall, I, I don't see that because I already see, because I already see that we have such a prevalent, I mean, Every other new mom on in the country posts to Instagram every 30 minutes about how she has to have a glass of wine to make it through her day with her little crotch goblins. And, the, you know, and, and we've sort of accepted as a culture that that's okay. And, you know, it probably, I will say to benefit your point, it probably won't be another couple of years before mom's taking a hit off the marijuana pin saying, oh, yeah, this is just, this is my medicine. Well, and here's the thing. The, you know, I'm in favor of legalizing marijuana everywhere mm -hmm. because I believe that's the best way to get rid of it. 
make it less profitable for drug companies, for drug dealers, for the the seedier sides of our society. When you make it less profitable, it becomes less of a problem. See, I don't. It's not going anywhere. No, they, they've already made tobacco really hard to be profitable, and it's sticking around. But so the good sides of this bill is they do have a premium cigar exemption. And they're defining a premium cigar as any cigar handmade, not mass-produced by machines, has a wrapper made from whole tobacco leaf, and has a wholesale price. This is the part I don't agree with. A wholesale price of no less than $12. Yeah, that should be retail. Even that's too high, but it's California, so that's probably a $7 cigar here. Yeah, so that means the the cheapest flavored cigar is going to be $24 in California. Yeah. So that's that's kind of ridiculous. That's kind but, of like giving you part of what you want. Well, except that you and I neither one. I think it's funny that you happen to be smoking one now. You and one. You and I are neither one flavored cigar fans. So if the only way to get a flavored cigar is to pay twenty four dollars for it, you know, it's not like they're restricting cigar sales below that price point. Just the flavored ones, because the idea being that an eighteen year old is, or, you know, a kid is not going to be able to afford twenty four dollar flavored cigar. You know, if you're, I mean, it's kind of price fixing, so I don't necessarily agree with it on that point. It's a multifaceted issue for sure, but I don't hate that piece. I do hate the idea that it sets up, however, this definition with a legal precedence of what a premium cigar is. Well, and here's my deal. I don't, I don't think that I know everything. I know that comes as a surprise to you, but I don't think that I know everything. And sometimes in life, there's going to be a need for rules to be made that are stupid to me. Yeah. That are, but can we be consistent? I mean, I don't need to understand. I just want consistency. Yeah. So a sizable exemption for flavored shisha tobacco sold in hookah tobacco retailers. They've got a whole list of exemptions here about, okay, yeah, well, you can have have flavored hookah tobacco. So I think the, I think what's happening there is that those are used on-premise. So the idea is that there will be greater oversight to ensure that... So, you know, I can walk across the street and and purchase tobacco and theoretically could walk out the door and hand it to a 12-year-old. I'm not going to do that for a number of reasons, but the idea is that 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 could happen. With a hookah lounge, that is consumed on the premises. So the idea is that well, there's going to be greater oversight, supervision of the usage, and so maybe we back off on some of the regulation and put the put the onus on the shop owner because they lose their business license if they're found to be in violation. Have you ever have you ever smoked a hookah? Yeah, I own one. It's too much prep work. <laughs> it's way too much prep work for too little reward. And actually, the shop that had one around here had to close it down because people started bringing their own ingredients. Oh, really? Yeah, and they actually had to shut down having a hookah because they couldn't get people to quit putting pot in the hookahs. Well, that's its own. When I was in college, that was kind of our thing because my roommate and I both had one. And so we would come home from classes and we would set it up. See, but it's funny because you are a man who appreciates a ritual. And yes, they are a lot of prep work and a lot of work, but you get a system down and it becomes somewhat therapeutic to to go through the process of, of doing what's necessary to set it up, to get it ready. 
it's kind of like that moment when you pick the cigar out of the pouch and you no, not that one. And oh, okay, that one. And you know, and we you mix the different flavors and things like that, and it became you know. But I'm okay with the elegancy of simplicity of just clip my cigar, put fire to the end of it, and I'm ready. Well, that's why I don't smoke a pipe. But <laughs> yeah, if I ever wanted to quit cigars, I would definitely start a pipe. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of you know this is so inconsistent. It's so rife of inconsistencies. If you're if your argument is that flavored tobacco makes it palatable to children, then get rid of flavored tobacco altogether. And while you're at it, knock out the flavored marijuana. Yeah. And all. But we live in a world where people would rather their kids smoke pot than cigarettes. Yeah. And, and I mean, that is, I, on one hand, I understand it. But the only reason that pot seems like a good alternative is because we do not have the years of research that we do on tobacco. Give it another 20 years and... Marijuana will have the same outcomes, I believe, uh, from standardized testing that tobacco does. I, I can argue that. I can argue that I definitely would much rather see someone 16 years old smoking a cigar as smoking a joint oh, because no, yeah, they're yeah. goofing up their brain chemistry. Absolutely. And uh, they're wiring their self for addiction for the rest of their life. And that's not the way it should, which nobody... If you're under 21, just don't smoke. Yeah. Just just call it a day. Don't smoke. Say, hey, I got other things to do. I got a life to lead. Let's just let's just call it. And, but this is the, oh, Johnny can't pay attention, so let's get him some Ritalin. This is, okay, we've now taught children that drugs are the answer. You don't really have to dig within yourself. But that's not to say that drugs are not ever the answer. No, but they're radically overprescribed. But at a certain point, that also falls on you for not questioning the doctor. It definitely. Yeah, there is I was, a- I was having a, a conversation with a doctor friend of mine recently about, you know, doctors have gotten to a point where they have forgotten that we're, that we're the boss. You know, I'm the one with the degree. You'll wait in my waiting room for two hours because I'm so important. And then you're going to do exactly what I say. No. Yeah. I will fire your butt. And, and. We have um, we have forgotten in this country that just because they have the expertise, they are still an advisor in our health care. They are not the overlord of our personal health choices. But there's also the other side of that coin. My Google search does not trump their medical opinion. No, it doesn't. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that I that I know more than than the physician or that I should take whatever Google result. But if if someone is not you know, if I, some people can take Benadryl and it knocks them out for six hours. Other people take Benadryl and they go on with their day like they didn't do anything. They just knocks out the sinuses. If I know that I'm the kind of person that it's going to knock me out and I'm going to have to sleep it off, then a physician saying, just take two Benadryl and you won't have as bad allergy problems. Well, then I can't function in my day. If they're not going to listen and change their orders based on my unique chemistry and what I know about the type of person I am, then we've got a problem. Yeah. Well, while we're talking about insane legislation, okay, I read this article on Half Wheel twice. Cigar Association of America begins appeal of FDA substantial equivalency ruling. And I still don't understand what in the world they're talking about. You have a better mind for this kind of nonsense. What is it? Sorry, I was the sun. I can't see any of my screens. <laughs> All right, so we talked about 
um, the judge, uh, Amit P. Mehta, uh, from the U.S. District Court. But we talked about this a couple months ago, I guess it was, and, and basically sent the FDA packing and said, you haven't done this right. Except that he didn't. And we talked about this a little bit at the time. He basically, he said he wasn't going to throw anything out, but he basically encouraged the FDA that if you're going to try and enforce this, you have certain things that you need to substantiate. Well, a deadline came and went, and that was what uh, the, the Cigar Rights of America and a couple of the other organizations that were involved in this lawsuit were waiting for so they could make their appeal. It's one of those weird things about the way legislation works, the way the court systems work. You can't do things too soon. You can't wait too long. It, it, it just It's this weird chess game where no one wins. Well, it's also, there's a portion of life. I was discussing it on the way up here with the person I was riding with. There's a portion of life that is more than one conversation. You rarely will solve problems in your life, interpersonal problems, with one conversation on a subject. Right. It's generally a series of conversations. So is that what this is saying, is that this is just part of the series of conversations heading ultimately to a premium cigar exemption? Basically, um, although I don't know that we'll ultimately get there. and Well, if we do, I don't know that we'll be happy necessarily with the definition of premium cigar, but that's, that's another conversation for another day. Uh, yeah, ultimately, you know, these the legislation has a lot of points in it. You know, you've got the grandfather de- deadline, you've got the substantial equivalence, you've got the new FDA, you know, safety protocol, which they still haven't outlined. Then you've got what classifies as this and what has to happen there. So it's it's multifaceted. And the Cigar Association of America basically is appealing each one of those. Well, each one of those, like you said, is a separate conversation. And so what happened, um, there were four specific counts in Meta's decision uh, that are that the CAA is going to appeal. And essentially it's that um, he didn't actually require the FDA to amend the 2007 grandfather date, which we've talked about it many, many times before, you cannot create legislation in 2016 that goes into effect five years earlier. Right. You just can't do that. Um, but he didn't specifically outline that, so they're appealing that decision. Um, the so the imminent enforcement of the substantial equivalence um, without finalizing the implementing rules. So basically, you know, he just said you can't do it this way, but didn't force them to say how they were going to do it. Does it hurt Cigar Rights of Association that they they represent premium cigars, but then they also represent machine-made cigars that Black and Mild and Owl and Swisher and all that are part? Does it hurt or help them? I think it helps. I think everybody, I think for right now, because their big thing is to get the FDA to re- re- reverse their decision in general. And then barring that is when they will go towards the premium cigar exemption. Now, they are the Cigar Rights of America is banging the drum of the premium cigar exemption louder than the CAA. Uh, so, you know, they're getting it from both sides. But I don't think it hurts them that they represent machine-made cigars as well, because ultimately, if you can get them to reverse their entire decision based on the fact that they did not follow proper regulatory protocol, then we don't need the premium cigar exemption. So it's a moot point. Well, let's step away for a break. 
When we come back from the break, there's a cigar I'm so excited to talk about. I can't hardly wait to get my hands on this cigar. And I have been vindicated yet again. Proved that Shane was right. I'm going to do the Shane was right dance very quickly. Somebody just activated their alarm directly behind Trey. He jumped over the table into my lap. So I'm going to get Trey out of my lap, and we'll be back right after this. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, once I turn the microphone back on, we have the Oliva Serio. I actually smoked one of these this afternoon. I really like this cigar. So it's a Habano wrapper with Nicaraguan binder and fillers, and this is just what Oliva does good in this price point. It does. I mean, this is part of their core line. It's probably a medium plus, maybe a medium full, but it doesn't look like it from the wrapper. It's got a nice, light-colored Habano wrapper that brings a whole lot of flavor, and in most places, you can find them for less than 7 bucks. Very good cigar, very... Um, Oily is a good term for this cigar, but not in a bad way. Rich. Um, it's probably as succulent a Nicaraguan tobacco as you're going to come across. Absolutely. At all. So just an absolute great cigar. Till next week, try the Oliva Series O. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man. I'm prepared to offer a squireship to the Cuban Cigar Czar. You may become a squire. I may make you an official Cuban sandwich squire. Okay. And I'll, I, as the problem we, is I'm not a ham fan. <laughs> it, it would be a wasted title. I appreciate the offer. And I, what, do you, what do you eat for breakfast? Two soybeans and a chiclet? You don't like eggs, you don't like bologna, you don't like ham. <laughs> Those aren't necessarily... I like bacon, I like sausage. Most of the time I eat Cliff Bar or a bagel and cream cheese. Yeah, I mean, you just... You take all the fun stuff out of life. But no, chicken fried steak is the absolute best breakfast food. Chicken fried steak, especially if the gravy's right. The gravy's... The problem, most people's chicken fried steak gravy is too thick. Yeah. But I can't address that issue because as Cuban sandwiches are, I just don't, don't have, have time. Don't have that jurisdiction? Yeah, I just, I just don't have time to I take, take on another... I will take up the mantle of, of country fried steaks are. Okay, now are you going to take up chicken fried or country fried? Because we've got two they totally the different... Same, they are the same thing. They are just regional nomenclature differences. I, and I hate when a restaurant puts chicken fried chicken on there. That's redundant. It's boneless fried chicken. Right, boneless fried chicken and country fried steak. Yeah. At all, but... I do have to talk about this. I do I'll talk about my cigar for a second first. It's excellent. Yeah? I mean, you really good. You are smoking good. that thing Oh, I'm smoking fast. the brains out of it. And uh, it's a Bellicoso, so it's burning quick. During the break, I had to go ahead and get my pick. That way I don't have to try to make that transition during the show. And also, I've got it picked at about half a cigar where I should have it. <laughs> I yeah. usually am closer to it, less than a third. But this may be one of the rare occasions where you finish a cigar during the recording. <laughs> am I boring you? <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I am wiped out. My body is tired and sore. I, I, worked, I worked so hard yesterday and then put in just a scalded lap on the bike. I mean, I averaged 20 miles an hour for the first 15 miles I was on that bike. Oh, yeah, you were hauling. And then I hit a headwind on the way back and was putting in that same effort doing 14. <laughs> yeah, that's a, 
So, so I'm just beat. The 107 treating you well? Oh, man, so well. And the thing I like about this is, is a polar opposite experience to what you're having is I've still got three quarters of my cigar left. Oh, I yeah, love, you'll be smoking an hour after the show. I love how slowly this cigar smokes because it stays even, it burns smooth. You know, and also it's a full-bodied cigar, and this is something we don't really talk about at all on the show, and I don't think we ever have brought it up before. You know, when you're dealing with a, a full-bodied strength-wise, not just talking flavor, smoking slow, more slowly will help temper some of that strength. Not to say that I couldn't handle the full strength, but it's if you were trying to make a transition into a into a stronger cigar than you normally smoke, it may be worth jumping up a ring gauge or a size that you don't normally smoke that's going to force you to slow down because then you're not going to take all of that strength at once. Right. You can kind of take it easy, especially, you know, football season's coming up. Being able to have a cigar that will last you through the duration of a football game is a real asset. And I notice I smoke much bigger cigars during the football season because I kind of like a cigar to last you know, at least till halftime. If I fire it up when they kick off, I like it to last at least till halftime. Right. So, August 23rd is National Cuban Sandwich Day. The In 2012, the Cuban Sandwich was designated the signature sandwich of the city of Tampa. How many did you have when you were in Tampa last year? Uh, two. Had two. Wasn't there very long, but I did manage to sample two different ones. So, this is from the SouthFloridaReporter.com. So... Little history on the Cuban sandwich. I love the Cuban sandwich, and I'm the Cuban sandwich czar of Middle Tennessee. I have all my paperwork. If you'd like to see my license, I have all that in order. I thought you had the entirety of Tennessee. You said just Middle Tennessee? I did. You lost the runoff election? Yeah. Slick palate Joe put some Samoleans in the right place and managed to dethrone me from East and West Tennessee, but I was still able to retain my voter base strong in Middle Tennessee. So the Cuban sandwich is workers' food. Yeah, it is. And how many how many great culinary things are that? There's something that the the common man ate, and it turned out they're just amazing. Speaking of which, um, going back to the breakfast food argument from earlier, a Cornish pasty. Have you ever had one of those? It's, Never. It's essentially an English version of uh, empanada. Okay. And it was the the miners in Cornwall, and it was basically um, potatoes and meat and vegetables all in a little pastry, and it was good all day. Man, that they there's a place on Atlanta that does like uh, bacon and eggs and potatoes and stuff in one of those as a breakfast. Oh man, that is that is breakfast right there. So a proper Cuban sandwich. It's served on the proper bread. It's a specific kind of Cuban sandwich bread. They're 8 to 12 inches long. I think 8 inches is plenty. I can't imagine a world where I could eat 12 inches worth of Cuban sandwich in one sitting. Mm-hmm. So I think 8 inches is plenty. It, need, it has pork on it, but the pork, I think, needs to be a well-seasoned tenderloin. I do not like when you go to a barbecue place and they have a Cuban sandwich and they just slap barbecue down on it. Yeah. Slice of ham and Dijon mustard. Now, last year, I remember we were sitting at Big Boy's Cigar, and I just got back from Tampa. And I astound, expanded on the virtues of salami on the Cuban sandwich. Right. And I was quickly corrected by our listenership that the proper Cuban sandwich does not have salami. That is correct. That is incorrect. Oh. This article. So, 
the Cuban immigrants who settled in Eborn City made it, and then as a nod to the Southern Italian bricklayers, that's when salami was added to the Cuban sandwich, and German cigar workers that also in, came in there added the mustard. So everybody seems to think that Miami is the birthplace of the Cuban sandwich, but actually it's Tampa is the birthplace of our modern Cuban sandwich. So I have been vindicated that salami is allowed on a Cuban sandwich and all, but it must be pork tenderloin. You cannot just do it with, with barbecue and all. I cannot stand that part of it. And the Italians would actually lay a hot brick on top of their sandwich to make it more panini style. And they said that enriched. So what, do you put down a piece of newspaper and put the brick on that? Do you, how do you put a hot brick on a sandwich I'm, and not taste like mortar? I'm guessing they probably just threw a brick on top of it. Uh, well, as a man who's licked a few bricks in my life, and I'll just through, bear, through growing up. In it the happens. Con- yeah, just growing up in the construction industry, you're going to end up tasting brick at some point in your life. Um. I can tell you, I don't think brick would add to the flavor of my Cuban sandwich. I, I got to think they had some sort of a... I'm sure they probably... It was probably still in the wrapper and when they threw the brick on top of it. But then if you throw a hot brick on the wrapper, do you not set the wrapper on fire? No, it, the brick's not going to be hot enough to reach the flash point of the paper. Well, it's got to be hot enough to melt the cheese. Yeah, but that's... The flash point of paper is something like... 451 degrees. I'm going to go get a piece of cheese and I'm going to get a piece of paper and see which one you can light your cigar with quicker. <laughs> That's a different story. All the, you're talking about the melting point of cheese, not the flash point of cheese. Okay. Are we, I guess we can't sit here and argue the chemical properties of cheese versus paper. And I'll, so in eight, Nor do I think we would want to. <laughs> in 1896, the first bakery, La Hova Francisco Bakery, to bake Cuban bread in Tampa. And I love this. They just you put a nail up outside your door, and somebody come by and hung a couple of loaves of bread on it. Was how they delivered. Is that right? That's just. That's just. I love the simplicity. Although some, all right, honey, we're gonna hang a picture. <laughs> you come back out, and all you. All right, go get the picture. You come back out, and there's, there's bread, bread. <laughs> bread hanging on it. Wait, why did that, how did that happen? <laughs> what kind of backwards Passover is this? <laughs> In 1922, a fire destroyed that bakery, leaving only brick ovens. But they rebuilt it. And during the peak years, they could produce 1,500 loaves a day. That's a lot of Cuban sandwiches. That's a lot of bread. <laughs> and also, this is, so, and on my way up here today, I intended to eat a Cuban sandwich, and I stopped at the local Granite City, which for a long time had the best Cuban sandwich around, and they have quit serving it. Have they really? Just, this is just my life. I ended up eating a hamburger, and all because I was that's, so disappointed. That's a wild difference. If I had been by myself, I'd have got up and walked out. Right. I'd have stormed out. But I had somebody with me, so you hate to just get up and, and storm out. But, okay, enough on Cuban sandwiches. <laughs> I've the, seen this article. I really want It's from CustomTobacco.com. Ten things to do while smoking a cigar. What are, so before we get into that, what are some of the things you do while smoking your cigar? What I is smoke the, my cigar. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, no, I'm being glib, but I'm I'm doing it to prove a point. I we see articles like this come up all the time, and and I recognize not everybody, you know. Sometimes a cigar does enhance uh, an an otherwise 
great experience. And I, I know that sometimes cigar is meant to be the experience. But it's just so funny to me that we constantly see articles like this pop up that's like, what to do with your cigar, when to have this cigar. It's like, just, just enjoy your cigar. You well, don't necessarily have to be doing anything else to also enjoy a cigar. A cigar should be an end unto itself. Yeah. So I want to run through their 10 things here and see which ones we kind of agree and disagree with. Number one, I absolutely disagree. Drink alcohol. I, I think a good cigar stands on its own, and this is not necessary to the enjoyment. Now, listeners to the show know where I stand on this. And, and you know, we used to, in the early days of the show, we did talk about pairings quite a bit. And if you like alcohol with your cigar, more power to you. But this idea that you have to have one to have the other is just, I I don't necessarily think that that's the case. Well, and generally, the cigar accentuates the alcohol, not the other way around. Generally, you know, we'll have a little bourbon or something like that here one time while having a cigar. I actually, a Grand Marnier is one of my favorite things to have if I have a real mild cigar. Yeah. And even dip the tip a little bit in that Grand Marnier. And all that's always good, but I'm I'm kind of against saying okay, that's one of the things you should do while having a cigar. I I just don't think so. Number two, playing golf. See, and this is where I I think it's funny. I think smoking a cigar is a great thing to do while you play golf, not the other way around. If not, that makes I'm playing. Sense. Not I'm I'm smoking a cigar, so I should grab my clubs. Exactly, because that's the way this is in. written. It's like <laughs> I'm going to smoke a cigar. How, what? Let me go through the list, find out how I can justify this cigar. And do you? And I always laugh at the pretentious guy that gets the best cigar he can to smoke while playing golf. Yeah. Don't kill a good cigar on a game that's, of golf. Get a good medium filler. Yep. That's that's you're missing the point if that's what you're after. Number three, eating. I'm not going to eat and smoke at the same time. So I, I knew we would disagree with this one. Now, I am not going to eat and smoke at the same time. However, there used to be a restaurant that I would get frequent quite a bit in Atlanta that, would, that allowed smoking in the restaurant. And I wouldn't want to eat every meal there. But there are some days when you want to sit down and have a nice meal and then just immediately spark up the cigar without having to move. The problem is the timing on that is never perfect enough where other people aren't smoking while you're trying to eat. That's not ideal. Or you're not smoking while someone else is trying to eat. You know, I had a guy in here one time tell me, oh, nothing better than a big bite of steak and then a puff off your cigar. No, no. No. I'm I'm adamantly opposed to eating while smoking. You need better steak. Eat while you eat, smoke while you smoke. But I will say, it, whether it's whether it's out, um, you know, and we all grew up where, you know, you had to part the curtain of smoke when you walked into the Waffle House. And I, I do think the Waffle House food was better then. I don't know what it is. I think when you had to clean the layer of ash off of your hash browns before you started eating them, there was something about it. Yeah, the layer of smoke was from the chef and the waiters. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't, it wasn't really the from patrons. The, the patrons had all the smoke they could stand just walking in. Exactly. Um, but I will say, next time you've got a nice cool evening and you fire up the grill... Intend to sit outside, assuming you're like, do you like to eat outside as much as I do? Oh, yeah. If the opportunity is, is, is there to eat outside, I'm doing it. So on your back porch at home where you don't have to worry about other people interrupting your experience, eat your steak, eat your potato, eat your dessert, and then don't even go in the house. Just fire up the cigar right there. It's, there's only one other time 
there's only one other activity that's better immediately followed with with a cigar. I'm skipping over that. Listeners, use your imagination. This is the one that I hate the most. Number four, working in the yard while doing chore. This is the way he phrases it, too, which is the worst possible way. While doing chore work that may be tedious, cigars provided an added benefit, making the activity bearable. No. Yeah, I I don't, I I can't co-sign this either. You know, the exception is a riding lawnmower. That is one of my favorite places to smoke a cigar. If I've got to mow the lawn and I've got a riding mower, it's great. No, I'm out. I don't even want to do it on a riding mower. I don't want to do it on a bush hog. I don't want to do it in a plane. I don't want it in a train. I want to just, I might smoke a cigar on a train, but I want to, either I'm being punished for my sins and having to do yard work, or I'm doing one of the things that I enjoy most in life, which is smoking a cigar. Okay, that's fair. At all, but I generally feel like I'm being punished whenever I do this. Hold on, Pete's coming over here to do something perverse to me. (laughs) Okay, He, he looks like he's been pouring concrete. That's glue. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's glued himself to something. Collar work. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. I, now I I agree with you on that point that working in the yard is its own thing. Um, but I also smoke in the car more than you do. There's something about driving a motorized vehicle that just relates itself to smoking a cigar for me. I wonder if that's the difference. Number five, I couldn't agree with more. Playing poker. Yeah. I can't hardly play poker without a cigar. I need my... Because there's a lot of downtime in poker. Yeah. And unless you're like me and you're dealing, but if you're not dealing, there's a lot of downtime while you wait on the guy to decide if he's going to see your, you know, $50 on a pair of twos or not. So I do kind of enjoy, and I enjoy taking the long... When they see the bet, take the long draw off the cigar and give that little smile because you know you're holding the full house. Right. And also, yes, playing poker, I'm signing off on that one 100%. Fishing. I'm I'm fifty fifty on this. I'm I go fifty fifty. I was gonna say the exact same thing. I prefer bass fishing. You prefer catfishing, right? There are those are two very different types of fishing. Oh yeah, it's the difference in vaping and cigars. You have easy. <laughs> you have a lot more downtime when you're catfishing or crappie fishing, unless you're sitting right on them like you guys do. And so, so the opportunity to smoke a cigar is much better. Whereas when you're bass fishing, you're either casting or reeling it in. Or casting or reeling There's really not much of an opportunity to smoke a cigar and fish and steer the canoe. That's true. And uh, catfishing, I'm definitely on board with having a cigar. Um, bluegill, crappie. And, you know, the way we bluegill and crappie is my dad has a depth finder that could find, you know, U-boats in Germany that wish they had this good a depth finder. And we find the beds, so we're catching pretty quick. So there's no time to be fundling with a cigar during that. But for most people who fish crappie and bluegill, you throw it out and you wait. Right. And if you're just sitting there waiting, then, yeah, cigar's all right for that. But definitely could not bass fish. Well, the bass masters will never be sponsored by Cohiba. No. And uh, watching sports. Now, that's kind of broad. That's very broad. You might as well just say watching TV or just sitting doing something else. Well, I love playing golf. Nothing is more mind-numbing to me than watching golf. And uh, I love playing golf. I'm not a big fan of watching golf. I like the golf highlight reel. Yeah, let's let's hit the high points and let's keep it moving and I'll... 
um, you know, we had the boys over to the house Sunday night for SummerSlam. We watched wrestling, and we were all sitting there smoking cigars. But we're kind of all talking and giving each other a right. hard time, and a cigar kind of goes with that. So uh, watching sports is another one of those I'm 50-50 on. Reading. I'm 100% on this one. I'm not. Oh, it's... It, when I read, I get lost. I am one of those people... I, I love to read. But I don't read very often because if the book is even remotely good, I'm going to put the rest of my life on hold until I finish it. Like, I am a voracious reader when it comes to a book at a time. Well, you see, like a really good book, I actually make myself only read so much of it at a time because I want to digest it. So I'll either read it all real fast and then the second time through read it a little slower or I'll just savor each chapter and really think about it. No, well, and, and my comprehension is is up there, so it's not like I'm missing out. It's just that I don't want to do anything else but focus on the story. And a cigar is a great. I mean, if if reading is me shutting the world out, I mean, there are days when I come to the shop just to have a cigar and shut the world out without reading. You know, so I do think those are two things that complement each other. The other thing I think that doesn't make the list is um, is working. I, you know, we talked about it at the top of the show. Um, I love being able to have a cigar in the ashtray and then and work at the same time. There's something about, I'm one of these people that has to take regular breaks. You know, I'll work, for, I'll work really hard for a little bit, take a quick break. Work for a little bit, take a little. As long as I'm smoking that cigar, I'm a, I can focus a lot more intently and I can carry on for much for, because then each puff of that cigar becomes a mini break and I can just keep going for hours and hours and hours. Okay, so number nine, camping. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I got a caveat. Depends on the type of camping. You can't be the only cigar smoker while camping. I disagree. I like because then everybody's going to ask a bunch of dumb questions or look at you like you're crazy. You have to. I can only smoke a cigar while camping in groups of two or more. Well, I think there needs to be at least two smokers oh, involved. I, see in I was group. like, why are you camping without two or more people anyway? Well, sometimes I camp by myself. It's nice to get out and Fair just enough. a little tree therapy, relax, and you know, waiting. To, you know, usually when I'm camping, I'm waiting to go hunting the next right. morning or something like that. But. Two or more. If there's more than, if you're going to be the only person sitting around the campfire smoking a cigar, it's just not as much fun. Well, so the difference is, I go camping with the same people every year, and we've we're the same people that have been going camping together for over a decade at this point. They've got they've asked all their dumb questions, you know. And I'm no longer the only cigar smoker around the campfire, but for a long time I was, and it didn't bother me one one iota. And my favorite, number 10. This should have been number one. This should have, and that was kind of what I was talking about at the top. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing is required to enjoy your cigar but a good cigar. Just sit back and enjoy your cigar. Um, we have hummingbird feeders on our front porch, and I have hummingbirds flying and buzzing up there and just enjoying them. And just um, nothing. Nothing is the best thing you can possibly do while smoking a cigar. I absolutely, I sign off on nothing 100%. Absolutely. And I, okay, one more article. I just got the finger from Trey. The, the, well, four fingers from Trey, not that finger. And I do have to hit this before I leave. Um, we got to hit a new cigar. Habano SA presents the world preview of the Ramon Ayones, Ayones number two, limited edition in the UK. Yeah, well. 
If there's anybody out there that is B-positive blood and say you need a pint, I'll be glad to send you a pint if you'll send me one of these cigars. That's how much I That's want That's how to much you want, your hand, you want to get your hands on this. Well, I love the Ramoniones. It's yeah. just such a great cigar. And this one, the box is this brilliant, beautiful green. It's this limited edition. It is labeled Totalmente Amano con Tripa La Jara. Which is totally handmade with long fillers. Now, that's that's a title, man. Yeah, that, that does it for you? You see that on a label? Oh, yeah. Get, get, get the bag and the needle. I'm in. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> and also, I'm very excited about this. They don't put a lot about the recipe on here. Well, yeah, but it's a Cuban, so there's, there's really not a whole lot recipe-wise. Um, it does says, say that it's made in the region of uh, Pinar del Rio. And they have undergone a minimum two-year aging process. And with, with Cuban cigars, that's really all there is to it. And they have a specially made, custom-made chocolates produced specifically to pair with the Ramona Yones. How, so, no, so how much blood do you have to give for that, too? Uh, well, I, I can spare a couple of pints. Okay. I mean, I can definitely. If they're, I mean, I wouldn't go kidney, but they could have blood. And all. I, I just, I absolutely would be glad to to sign up for that and sign off on that. But it's a fifty-two ring gauge, which I would think would be a little off-putting for you. But that's not that's not as small as you tend to think it is. In a in a ultra premium cigar, I can go a smaller ring gauge because I know it's going to burn much slower. Because yeah, I'm going to smoke it much slower. And it's fourteen centimeters long. So what is that? Uh, Five inches? Yeah, it's right right between 13 and 15 centimeters. Yeah. So that's how you play it off when you don't understand the metric system. (laughs) Right between 13 and 15 centimeters. And, and yeah, I definitely think this is – I'm very excited. I love all that type of stuff. That type of stuff just thrills me to no end. And also try that Ramona Yones, and if you get one, send send one my send one our way. Care of the cigar cast. Yeah, no. Two, if you won't trade to have one, send two. <laughs> but if but if you if you just got one, just send it to me, okay? And I I'll promise ch- to pretend to be none the wiser. Chocolate is optional. And I'll but all right. Give me a rating on the one oh seven. Um, this is gonna. <laughs> uh, I'm going five and a half on this. Five and a half. That's a good, that's a very good rating. <laughs> we're, we're sitting outside as, you, as we speak, and that's the second of the locals that has interrupted us. It was very cool. My brother came to the cigar shop with me for the first time today. He didn't know that I'm the mayor of this cigar oh. shop and that I had to make the rounds and shake hands shake and hands kiss, kiss babies. babies. <laughs> he didn't know that I had to make the rounds. That's the, funny. The Leather Rose is a six. Okay. And it's the only flavored cigar I think I've ever given that high rating. I can't even wrap my head around giving a flavored cigar that rating. You need to try it. I think you would really, really enjoy it. It's rich. Okay. Um, it's sweet, but it's just rich and flavorful and just a absolute joy. Just a pleasure to sit and smoke this cigar. I'm highly recommending the Leather Rose by Drew Estate. How do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us via email at info at the cigarcast.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast and Facebook.com slash the cigarcast. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.